Lord, we're, thinking, we're singing and, and praising God for His faithfulness. And I want you to just take a moment and bow your head and, and tell God thank you for His faithfulness in your life. And, and ask God's Spirit to speak to you this morning. Father, we come humbly before you as your children, needy, longing to come near to your presence, God. Today, as we consider what it means to ask for our daily bread, We know that we're approaching a father who loves his children and loves to hear us bring our needs before him. We thank you, God, that you're loving and caring. And Lord, would you work on our hearts today that we might bring those cares and those burdens to you. We may not try to shoulder them ourselves, weighed down with cares and worries and fears, but that we would bring them to you, the one who longs to answer prayers. Please speak to us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you have a copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to join me in Matthew chapter 6 as we continue our study of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6. And today our focus is that phrase in Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. And uh, this is a request centered around bringing our needs before God. So up until this point, the first three petitions have been God-centered. We, we've prayed, uh, pray, we've talked about praying in God's name. We've talked about hallowing God's name and revering Him for who He is. We've talked about the fatherhood of God and that nearness of relationship we have with Him. We've talked about praying for God's kingdom to come and God's will be done, setting aside our, our own wants, our own self-centeredness, and, and asking God for Him to accomplish His glorious will in and through us. But God is not... Uh, unconcerned about our needs. And so these first three petitions have been God-centered, but now he calls us to, to bring our requests before him to pray for our daily bread. And, you know, as I think about praying for requests and needs, you know, sometimes we get our needs a little bit out of balance. And um, as, I, uh, as I think about praying for those things, um, I'm often, uh, my mind often goes to prayers that I've read uh, from children things that they've brought before God. And there's all kinds of things that you can read about uh, our kids' prayers. It's precious to hear some of the things our kids pray for with their childlike faith. And I just made note of a couple of humorous ones that I found uh, as, I, as I was studying this week. Here are some things that kids have asked for. Uh, one child prayed, Dear God, my mom tells me that you have a reason for everything on earth. I guess broccoli is one of your mysteries. <laughs> 
Dear God, please make my parents understand that if I don't eat salad, I do better at school. <laughs> Genuine heartfelt prayer there. Uh, God, please forgive me for hiding my sister's favorite doll, and please don't tell her where it is. <laughs> Dear God, I need you to make my mom not allergic to cats. I really want a cat, and I really don't want to ask my mom to move out. <laughs> Dear God, can you give me a smartphone? Santa must have forgotten. Uh, dear God, I saw my big brother walking out of the shower on accident. God, can you erase that from my brain? <laughs> dear God, when will my sister stop being annoying? I'm down to my last patience. <laughs> I think we parents have probably prayed that one before, too. Uh, another one is, dear God, I promise to never say those words again, at least until my next shot. <laughs> <laughs> Dear God, please don't let it rain on Saturday. The first ball I hit will be for you. <laughs> and then, Dear God, I hope my dog is with you in heaven. Please take care of him. Sorry if he chews on your sandals. <laughs> but you know, the reality is that uh, while we, we chuckle at those, God does care about our needs. And, and it's interesting that in this prayer, when Jesus lays out six petitions, he, he wants to make sure that while, while it begins with worship and God-centeredness, he wants us to know that the things that we're struggling with and the things that we, we need to get along on a daily basis, they're important to him too. And he calls for us to come before him and say, God, would you provide these things for us? I want to just make note as we've been saying along and we've been trying to emphasize as we talk about prayer, we want to emphasize the importance of praying together and praying for one another. And you'll notice here, again, this is not another me-centered prayer. This is, this is bringing in that corporate element um, in, in um, Matthew 6, 11. It says, give us this day our daily bread. There's a thought, uh, a mentality that we're, we're praying with and for one another. This isn't just me trying to make it, trying to, trying to uh, gr uh, grind it out on my own and only concerned about myself. But it's, there's this, there's this, this uh, communal prayer that God would meet our needs together. And so this should be an important prayer that we incorporate, not just in our own lives, about our needs, but praying for the needs of others. And so as we think about this uh, today, uh, week five of this message here, we're talking about asking God to give us our daily bread. And what this means, first of all, if you're taking notes, is that God cares about our physical needs. God cares about our physical needs. Some commentators in history... And, and even some like who are like uh, outside of the realm of the Christian world and maybe more into a mysticism. Uh, early in the, in the church, there was a heresy called Gnosticism that said that God didn't care about the physical body. What matters is spiritual and spiritual things alone. And, and I think that was influenced some of the early church fathers. And so as they interpreted this passage, some of them said that this is referring to either the invisible bread of the Word of God, which Jesus talks about elsewhere, on the bread of life, um, or to the Lord's Supper, referring to that meal that Jesus gave us to celebrate. But I don't think that's the case. I think what God is, is calling us to is to pray for physical needs. Um, and so I want to ask a couple of questions about this prayer request that I want to challenge you to ask yourself. And as we go along, I'm going to give you some opportunity to just reflect on these things so that you can answer them. There's some spot on the back of your notes to, to give a genuine answer to some of these questions. And the first one is, 
Am I praying about my needs? It may seem like a simple question. And maybe, uh, maybe your struggle is, geez, that's all I pray about. I, I really need to focus on those first three petitions, that my prayers be God-centered, not always just about stuff I need. And then praise God that he's working on your heart and convicting you to front load your prayers with that time of worship and that time of God-centeredness. But it's a legitimate question to ask, are you praying for your needs? This prayer is not just for food to eat, but really for all physical needs. Martin Luther had the wisdom to see that bread was a symbol for everything necessary for the provision in this life, like, like food and a healthy body and good weather, he writes, house, home, wife, children, good government, and peace. And probably to that we should add that by bread, Jesus meant necessities rather than the luxuries of life. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, the, the wording here is unique. Uh, the, the idea of day is mentioned twice. And in such a short prayer, this is interesting that, a, that there's a repetition here. Because you don't see this anywhere else in the, in the prayer. Um, he says, give us this day our daily bread. There's a, there's a reason, I think, for the wording there. And it's, that word translated daily is a unique word in the Greek. It's not found anywhere else in the New Testament. And it likely refers to the, a request here that God is, uh, we're asking God to grant us daily our daily ration of life's necessities. Uh, J.B. Phillips, in his translation of the New Testament, uh, translates it this way. Give us this day the bread that we need. What we're praying for at the beginning of the day is, Lord, meet my needs today. Give me what I need for the day. If you're praying this at the end of the day, it's give us tomorrow what is essential. We're not looking weeks and months and years out into the future. There's this focus that I am I'm daily dependent upon God. We, we've lost this in much of our country because we're one of the most affluent societies ever to exist on this planet in all of history. And we don't know what it's like to subsist daily, to trust God daily, moment by moment, for things. This prayer would have immediately called to mind for the Jewish people the time of wilderness and the provision of manna in the wilderness. Do you remember manna? In Exodus chapter 16, God had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they were hungry, they were starving, and then they were, they were actually whining and complaining because they were looking back and they're like, well, even though we were slaves in Egypt, at least we had like food consistently. And God says, I'm going to provide for you. Just trust me here. And what he did is he gave them manna. It was, the Bible says it's like, it's a, it was like a sweet wafer. And every morning they would wake up and th these wafers would be all over the ground. And they would collect them for that day. And the text tells us that if they saved it over for the next day, it would spoil and rot. It was no good. They had to each and every morning get up and await God's provision. Now, now just put yourself and their shoes for a minute. Imagine you have no food in your cupboards. There's no such thing as grocery stores. Your refrigerator is entirely empty. And your kids and you have just eaten a meal before bed. And they say, where are we going to get food for tomorrow? There's nothing in the cupboards. There's nothing in the fridge. And as their parent, who is trusting in God, you would say to them, in the morning, 
The Lord will provide what we need for tomorrow. And to wake up and see a dozen eggs in the refrigerator, some bread and some peanut butter and jelly for lunch, and whatever you're going to have for dinner. And that's it. Just enough for that day. And by the end of dinner, everything in the house has been eaten. And they say to you, well, what about tomorrow? And you say to him once again, our God will provide. Could you live like that? That's what Jesus is calling us to pray. Lord, meet my need today, right now. So many times we live in such a way that we don't have to trust God. We've got good jobs and we've saved money and you know, maybe, maybe you're really good with, with managing your money. You've got everything all, all mapped out. Everything is handled from now until the day you die. And I'm not saying that there's not wisdom in doing that. But the danger is that we don't have to trust God. We've trusted our own means of providing rather than looking daily, moment by moment, to Him. Jesus said it, and it was repeated in James chapter 4, verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask. God wants us daily to come to him asking about our needs. So what I want to do right now is ask you is there something that God has that you need to trust God for? Is there something that you have not been bringing to him that he's laying on your heart to do just that? You know, not only do we need to ask, am I praying about my needs? Am I actually doing it? Am I actually bringing them to him? But another question we need to ask is, am I praying about genuine needs? Am I praying about things that are actually important? Because maybe we're, maybe we're praying, and maybe we're praying for things that we feel like we need, but then we've also wrapped in there things that we, we really, really want. And we can get confused between the two, right? We, we, we forget what we actually need to subsist. And then there's the stuff that we want on top of it, icing on the cake. And again, in our affluent culture, uh, we, we sometimes struggle to think about what a need truly is. Many of you who have traveled to other countries that, that struggle, where, where people are struggling to make it, and you walk among like real poverty, where people live like this, where they don't know where their next meal is coming from, you realize what a stark contrast there is between the way we live and the way that so much of the world lives today. When we pray about our needs, the question we need to ask is, am I praying about genuine needs? Or am I praying about stuff I want? Am I, am I trying to get extra things out of God that are not necessary for my daily living? In that passage we just look at in James 4, 2, he goes on in verse 3, and he says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. It's important to check, what, what's my motive here in asking for these things? Where's my heart? Is this something that I can ask for that would, that would help me grow spiritually? That would cause me to give glory to God? To be a blessing to other people? Or is this just because I want more stuff? I want more comfort in my life. 
It's truly an important thing to ask. Another question that we should ask ourselves as we think about praying for our daily bread is, do I know how to be content? Do I really, truly know how to be content? Content, discontentment is rooted in an unthankful heart. When we look around and we see, I mean, I, you know, we can chide our kids for doing it, but we do it as our, ourselves as, as parents too, right? We look around at what other people have and we think, oh, that's not fair. I should have that. Oh, what does he or she get? Such a great car, such a big house. Come on, I, I've got more kids. I, I deserve a bigger house than they do. I work harder than that person does. Come on, I should, have, I should have more to show for it. Discontentment is rooted in an unthankful heart. I love what Thomas Watson says about it. He says, where the heart frets against God by discontent, there is good fishing for Satan in those troubled waters. Where the heart frets against God because of discontent, there's good fishing for Satan in those troubled waters. When our pond is polluted by discontent, Satan loves to come and fish. When the hearts continually turn to God and we grumble and mutter, that's not fair. I deserve better than this. You see, that's what the children of Israel did. You see, God providing manna every day for them was still not enough. And let's be honest, we'd be in the same boat. You know, if we have to eat leftovers two or three days in a row, we're like going out of our mind. We throw it in the trash because it's like, come on, come on. This, I'm sick of this food. I don't care if there's more left to eat. We're throwing it out and having something different. Day in and day out, they were eating manna and they grumbled about it. They complained. And in um, Numbers chapter 11, um, it, it says, uh, write it on the screen here, but in Numbers chapter 11, verse 4, it says, Now the rabble that was among them, I love that. The rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. Come on, we're tired of eating this, this, these wafers. We need some meat. Come on. And it says in verse 5, We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost us nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up. And there's nothing at all but this manna. To look at. You see what had, had happened in their hearts? God in his goodness had provided day in and day out. They didn't have to do anything for this food. And daily he could be depended upon. Yet that still wasn't enough. I'd like to think that my heart is way different from the Israelites. I know better. I know that same spirit of discontent can rise up within me. How about you? Do you know how to be content? The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And he's talking about the Philippians, how they had helped him out financially. They helped support his ministry. They sent a gift to help provide for him. And he says, I'm so thankful that that gift arrived. I'm so thankful for your generosity. And he says, but not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Did we say that really? Whatever situation I am, where wherever I find myself, 
I have learned to be content. He goes on to, to define it for us and explain himself. He says, I know how to be brought low, and boy, did he. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We love to quote Philippians chapter 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you know the context here? He's saying, I know how to have nothing and I know how to have God provide for me in abundance. I can live either way because God is my strength. He helps me get through times of want and times of plenty. And I have learned to be content in both. I wonder this morning, have you? Have I? Could we be content in times of want? And so the final question I want to ask you here uh, in this, in this uh, list here is, do I really believe then that God truly cares about my needs? We've said God calls us here to pray for our daily bread. Our daily needs. And so I want to ask you, do you believe that God really wants to hear you asking? Do you believe that he cares about your needs? You see, some of us think, well, God cares about the spiritual people, or God cares about these people because they've been a Christian for a really, really long time. But I blew it this week. I had a bad week, and I've got some shady stuff in my past, or whatever. And we think that we can't bring our needs to God, like somehow we're second-class children. Do I really believe that God cares about my needs? So here's what I want you to do for a moment. I want you to, even if you're not taking notes, I want to encourage you to do this. Take some time right now to write down a request that's on your heart. Because I, I think that if, if you've been asking God's Spirit to speak to you, chances are there's something that He's laid on your heart that He wants you to be praying about. Maybe it's something you've already been praying about. But what's, what's going on in your life right now that you can pray for? Maybe it has to do with health. Maybe it has to do with providing food or, or some <coughs> shelter. Maybe it's a job. You're out of work. Maybe it's sleep. Those of you who struggle to sleep at night, you know how awful it can be and how it affects the rest of your days. Maybe it has something to do with your, ch your children or your spouse. Uh, maybe it's financial provision, a medical bill that's looming, winter clothes or boots for your kids. Maybe it has to do with physical strength. Maybe it's a vehicle that's not running. Or simply wisdom. What, are, what is something that is a, is a part of your daily needs that God wants you to be in prayer about? And I want to ask you, do you believe that God cares about that? I mean, deep down, in the bottom of your heart, do you believe that your Heavenly Father is leaning forward and from His throne saying, come talk to me about that? That right there, that's important to me. I want to hear you, my child. Bring that to me. Cast that care upon me because I care for you.
First of all, we see that God cares about our physical needs. And the second thing is that God has the power then to meet those needs. God cares about our needs and has the power to meet those needs. If somebody, if one of you came to me today and said, <laughs> I, have a, I have a million dollar debt that is being called in tomorrow. And if I don't pay, uh, my family is going to be murdered. Okay, I, I realize I just went really extreme here. Um, <laughs> and I would say to you, I would love to help you out. And I, I'm going to pray for you and, and maybe call the police and things like that. But I, I would not have the ability to pull out my checkbook and write you a check for a million dollars. That's outside of my financial ability at this point. Give me a couple weeks, I might be there, but at this point, it's outside of my, my financial abilities. I don't have the ability to meet your immediate need. But you know what? When we come to God with these pressing needs that are weighing heavily upon us, that are burdening us, He does have the power to meet our needs. That's what Scripture teaches us. Do you believe that? Like, do you truly believe that God could intervene right now in your situation. You think, Pastor, you don't know the request I wrote down. It's huge. It's, it's unbelievably big. It's one of those million-dollar type prayer requests. As that story in Numbers goes on with the manna and the whining and everything, God is upset with the children of Israel for complaining about the manna and not having what they want. But he says, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to give you some meat. I'm going to, I'm going to do that for you. And it wasn't the best situation because of their complaining and the way they approached it. But God in his grace said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do it anyways. And um, I love, I love how this unfolds and what God says, because Moses is kind of going back and forth between God and the people and uh, God says, you know what, uh, I'm going to provide so much meat. Um, it, people, it's going to be coming out of their noses. God literally says that. They will be so sick of meat, they're going to have so much of it. And Moses is doing the math in his head in Numbers 11. And he says, hold on. We have like 600,000 people. Are we going to slaughter all of our cattle and our sheep and our goats. I mean, even if we did all that, I don't think there's enough to provide the kind of meat you're talking about, God. You see, Moses looked at the situation. He said, nah. And Moses had already seen some pretty amazing things. Hello, the Dead Sea parting, the Red Sea parting. Come on. Moses had seen God show up. He'd spoken with God face to face. But even he's struggling to see how this is going to happen. And there's a verse in Numbers 11, 23, where God responds to Moses. And you can, almost, you can almost see God coming out of the clouds and taking a, such a serious tone with Moses. And he said, is the Lord's hand shortened? Now you shall see whether my word will come true or not. I want to ask you this morning, is the Lord's hand shortened in your life? What are you praying for? Do you doubt that God can provide? 
Do you doubt that God can take care of that bill or provide that job? Do you doubt that God can heal that cancer? Is the Lord's arm, is the Lord's arm shortened? Is God somehow gotten weak and powerless? He said, now you will see whether my word shall come true for you or not. When we pray to God, we're praying to a God who has the power to meet those needs that are on our hearts. And I don't know if there's been a better illustration of someone uh, outside of Scripture throughout history who's trusted God daily for needs than George Mueller. I've spoken of him before. Many of you have read of George Mueller who ran orphanages in England and literally lived day by day by faith. Raised millions and millions of dollars all without ever asking for a single penny just through prayer. He once said, if we desire our faith to be strengthened, we should not shrink from opportunities where our faith may be tried, and therefore through trial be strengthened. God will bring us into these times of needs, and maybe that request that you wrote down, maybe you've underlined it and circled it, and God has allowed you to feel the weight of a trial so that he may strengthen your faith in him. What a glorious opportunity. George Mueller said that he could prove that he had, he kept track. He said he could prove that he had received 50,000 answers to prayer in his lifetime. He always made note of his request and when it was answered. And he said 30,000 of those had been answered within 24 hours. He prays the same God we do. There's a great story as, as we close here. Uh, told by a, a well-known evangelist who had been on a, a boat with George Mueller. And this evangelist said, when I first came to America 31 years ago, I crossed the Atlantic with the captain of a steamer who, I'm sorry, the, the, he had been on the, on the boat that, um, that George Mueller had ridden. He wasn't there firsthand for this account. But he said, I, 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 uh, I came across the captain of a steamer who was one of the most devoted men I ever knew. And when we were off the banks of Newfoundland, he said to me, Mr. Inglis, Inglis, the last time I crossed here, five weeks ago, one of the most extraordinary things happened that has completely revolutionized my whole Christian life. He said, up to that, that time, I was one of your ordinary Christians. But we had a man on board, man of God on board, George Mueller of Bristol. I had been on that bridge for 22 hours and never left it. And I was startled by someone tapping me on the shoulder. It was George Mueller. Captain, said he, I've come to tell you that I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. This was Wednesday. It's impossible, I said. Well, very well. If, you, if your ship can't take me, God will find some other means of locomotion to take me. I've never broken an engagement in 57 years, said Mueller. I'd be willing to help you, but I can't. I'm helpless, I replied. Well, let us go down to the chart room and pray, Mueller said. I looked at this man and I thought to myself, what a lunatic, what a lunatic asylum could this man have come from? I've never heard of such a thing. Mr. Mueller, I said, do you know how dense the fog is right now? There's no way we can make it to Quebec by Saturday. And this was Mueller's reply. No, I don't know how dense the fog is. My eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. So he said he went down on his knees and he prayed 
one of the most simple prayers. I thought to myself, that would suit a children's class where the children are not more than eight or nine years of age. The burden of his prayer was something like this. O Lord, if it is consistent with thy will, please remove this fog in five minutes. You know the engagement you made for me in Quebec for Saturday. I believe it is your will. And that was it. When he'd finished, I was going to pray, the captain said, but he put his hand on my shoulder and told me not to pray. First, he says, you don't believe God will do it. And second, I believe he's already done it. There's no need whatsoever for you to pray about it. <laughs> I looked at him, and George Mueller said this, Captain, I have known my Lord for 57 years, and there has never been a single day that I have failed to gain an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, and open the door, and you will find the fog is gone. I got up, and the fog was gone. And on Saturday afternoon, George Mueller was in Quebec. Do you believe in the power of God through prayer? I've asked you to write down something that God has laid on your heart. And uh, what I want you to do right now is just ask. Do you believe that God can answer this? As the worship team comes up and as we get ready to close our time together, I want to give you a chance to take this from where you are in the pew, just between you and God. We started off by saying that this prayer is framed in a, in a corporate sense. Give us this day our daily bread. And I hope as we've studied this this morning that God has challenged you to pray for something that maybe you have just not had the audacity to pray for or had the faith. Let's just call it what it is. It's unbelief. Maybe you've not had the faith that God would provide. What I want to do right now is to give you a chance to let others pray for you with what you wrote down. I want to give you a chance to, after, after we pray here, to come on up and, and let somebody else pray for what you're struggling with right now, what, what burden is on your heart. Because you're not alone. You're not meant to handle it alone. These are not just prayer requests. It's just you and God in the quietness of your heart. It should start there. But to invite other believers in to pray for you. I want to just give you that opportunity as the, as the music plays here in a moment. And just come on up. And we're going to have some folks come up. And they'd love to just, just hear what's on your heart. And they just simply pray with you. If God's spirit is leading you. If you're feeling convicted to just, I, I want to share this. I need others to come alongside and pray with me in this matter. Please do so. Let God's spirit work as, as you trust him. That God who calls us to pray, give us our daily bread. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who cares about our needs. There's not anything that my brothers and sisters are struggling with that you're up there thinking, I don't bother me with that. It's a waste of my time. Lord God, I confess to you so often my unbelief. I 
would have been that captain there in the story. George Mueller would have had to look me in my eyes and say, you don't believe anyway. Lord, help our unbelief today. May we turn back to you, the God of the Bible, and hear your words. Is my arm shortened? Am I too powerless? Lord God, if my brothers and sisters are struggling with a burden, and I know many are, would you stir their hearts so that we might pray with them this morning? We believe, God. Jesus, please come if you feel like it.